Okay, everybody. So we are, I believe, nine days into quote unquote camp or camp two or camp restart. Uh, and uh, I sit in seat nine, by the way. Uh, it's an odd endeavor for us to to cover this whole thing. Uh, it's likely delightful for the players. It's distraction free. It's it's a very interaction void atmosphere don't you think michael that uh, uh, <laughs> they, they are they are uh hoping that they could have this uh, a lot more often uh, where we can't get our fingers on them yeah and, and there's like silly things that you miss like so they're wearing uh groups of five in colored jerseys today well it just never came up in the three zoom calls we have so that's something we would have normally asked about but Stuff they don't have to deal with anymore. It's just like, yeah, whatever. We'll move yeah, on to no, they, they something tomorrow. Business. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I, I did not uh, introduce the, the particulars at the beginning of this, uh, which I'm supposed to do, I believe. Uh, it's uh, by contract. I am Daryl Ray. You just heard from the great Mike Heike, DallasStars.com. And, of course, young Jeffrey Totes, who will be uh, making his way up to Edmonton with the club. He is truly an insider. We'll hear a little bit from him as well. But just to give you an, an idea of how this unfolds on a daily basis when uh, they're getting themselves ready for this this uh, playoff tournament, uh, we sit on chilled aluminum benches in our designated spots. We're, we're not only socially, but I think emotionally distanced from one another, don't you? Yes, definitely. Yes, yeah, and there's not, I mean, it's not that thick with media wags, but uh, those of us that are there are a long way away from one another, and we're barely even a curiosity to the coaches and players. I think every now and then they glance up and see this this sort of sparse collection of masks up there uh, witnessing what they're doing. Uh, we do, though, uh, consume the proceedings, and, and then we leave. So after every session, we come away with impressions, or we do impressions. I'm not sure, Mike, if you want to do any impressions. Uh, Totsi, by the way, is on the other side of the rink with a camera working the whole time. Like he's in close, close proximity. Uh, I am. He's in the trenches with these guys. Uh, so he's he, yeah, you you are embedded really with the club, which is wonderful for you. Are you doing it? It's been so so much fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's not as thrilling on the other side of the glass. Let me tell you that. Okay? <laughs> it's funny. It's we, you know, the reporters we talk about, that's actually one of our funnest times is when we're just sitting there BS and watching practice. I think you talk to a lot of different people. That's uh, why I stay away from you guys. I don't want to hear I know, but about in there what with happened the, on The Bachelor the night before. You're in there with JJ or, or uh, if uh, Norman I'm Green stops. I'm uh, working, Mike. No, I, know, I go in there, there and I there. work. I know. I but observe. Just, I miss. I listen. That. I I pick up some little nuggets that I might be able to use on the air, or at least give them information uh, that I can understand 
probably shouldn't go onto the air, but it helps me in my knowledge and my preparation. So indeed, I miss all that. I miss all the interaction. Well, I know you do. You guys all sit in the in the heated lobby and and kibitz. What do you guys kibitz about? It's it's so funny because Matt DeFranks just laughs at one that I'm old and two that some some of the stuff we just come up with we just pull out of left field has nothing to do with hockey and we'll just start talking about you know usually not the bachelor but something uh, strange I I one day I was thinking about the War of 1812 and how uh, uh, it was very confusing and how nobody's made a movie about the War of 1812 and so we just started talking about the War of 1812 there you go. Who won that one? Uh, technically, Canada, I think, yeah. announced a victory there. Greasy Canadians. Uh, <laughs> anyway, back uh, back to hockey. The, the, your, your impressions of what we have witnessed over the nine days? It's just, and this is my rose-colored glasses look at things. They're really good defensively. Like, I mean, there are sticks in the lanes. There are pucks being broken up. It's an ugly thing to watch but they're really good at making the offense struggle. And now that may be because the Stars struggle offensively anyways, or it may be because the Stars are really good defensively. Um, but, like, they – I was, you know, you watch Fox, Acomo, and Cagliano, and they are in the right spot all the time. The stick's always there. Essel Lindell, you know, he just flicks a puck away and breaks things up. He, he, they're really good at making it hard to play pretty hockey. And, you know, that's a good thing because it helps them win. Well, it's a it's a great thing. You know, every team wants to be hard to play against. That that you hear it from every uh, coach. Uh, yeah, you want all these other things. You, you'd like to be a, a, a pretty ineffective offensive team, and and you need great goaltending, and you need depth, and you know all this list of uh, of traits, characteristics to your club, but. At its core, you want to be hard to play against. You want the other team, whatever they do get, to, to have to earn it. You're not going to just give things away. We've seen some segments of time in Stars Hockey where it was just gifted to the other side. It was yeah. it was easy. They were easy to play against. And and this team is not. Um, and you know, again, if 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 what they're they're trying to add, and and we'll see. And there's certainly been pockets of the season where it has worked out the way they envision it, I'm sure, where all this hard work and toil turns around and turns into not a ton of offense, but a little more offense, a little more comfortable offense and, uh, and uh, success, uh, you know, they're going to need, they're going to need to turn a lot of this churn and burn into, into timely goals, the other end. And, and uh, hopefully play with the lead an awful lot. I mean, they haven't had a lead since <laughs> the beginning of March. <laughs> they went the 10 days in March that they did play hockey without ever leading a game. I think the last time they, they led a hockey game was when Sagan opened the scoring when we were in Col- were we in Colorado. No, we couldn't have been in Colorado. They didn't play him that late into the season. No. He, he's, oh, St. Louis. Yeah. Wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, the, it, it's a it's a brand new thing. I the thing I, that is impressed upon me is they are covering every situational detail, whilst getting themselves back up to speed with conditioning and timing. I mean, you you can see 
just from day to day with what they're adding on to or putting a focus on because it's it's a little different, right? Because you're not playing games. You're not trying to repair something that was obviously a wart that showed up in the game prior, which is what you see most of the time in practice. This is all about just trying to ramp up and hit the gas at full throttle when it means the most when they're in Edmonton. And two guys that I've watched intently are uh, Stephen Johns and, and Alexander Radulov. For Stephen, this is really his first camp in the last three, right? Yeah. Uh, he missed he missed two in a row when he was out for a long time, uh, and he's you know, been rewarded for his perseverance by being a finalist for the Masterton, uh, which is a just a terrific attribute to uh, what he went through and endured and uh came out the other side so and, and he looks terrific doesn't he yeah he's uh, funny because we've talked to him and he said he even doesn't really understand why he seems like he's actually better after 22 months off but he does seem like he's better yeah well, well we'll see with a bunch of you know real high uh caliber hockey games in a row but i mean he played he played well when he came back for the most part and he was trying to catch up he's not going to have to catch up now i mean he's He's at the same stage as everybody heading into this. So I, I'm expecting big things from, from Stephen up in Edmonton. And, and, uh, and he's, he's just, you know, you forget what you miss when he, he wasn't available for a long period of time with that size and speed, ability to get up the ice, bit of an edge to him. And then the other with Alexander Radulov, who missed a bunch of games prior to the break, you forget, like he, whatever was going on with him, uh, ailing him. He wasn't in all the time. It wasn't overly effective when he, when he was in, uh, at times in, in the practices and the little scrimmages that we've watched, he's looked sensational. And, uh, and yeah, you know, he always practices full out. <laughs> there were always guys in my past that hated the individual that played practiced full out all the time. But I always had, uh, great affection for those guys. You know, you practice like you're the worst player and play like you're the best. I've always told my girls in their sports, and uh, and he he seems to live up to that. Yeah, he he goes after it in practice. And man, if if they can if they can have Alexander Radulov at his best and discipline, uh, it just adds another level of depth to this group uh, up front. And they look they look like a pretty deep team right now. Yeah, and then, you know, it's funny. He has that history that we forget about because we didn't see it, but he was one of the better playoff players in the KHL, one of the better players overall in the KHL. So he's got a ton of experience that we really don't even know about in high-pressure games like this. Yeah, he hasn't played that many Stanley Cup playoff games. No. Yeah. Anything else from what you've witnessed? Um, I like uh, Foxa. I don't know why I love him so much, but every time I see him, he's uh, again like Radulov. He just goes, goes, goes. He breaks up plays. He, he's still pretty creative offensively. Um, he's just a big bear of a player. Like you don't realize how big and physical he is. Um, but I just love that guy. I mean, he, you know, he goes a hundred percent all the time. And, and, uh, I like to see that on the practice ice. Well, they have about a half a week left here and then they, Head their way up. When do they go? Saturday, Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Last practice Saturday. Uh, yeah, Sunday up to the the bubble or the hub. Is it a hub? Is that what they're calling them? Or bubbles? <laughs> I think oh, they're calling them hubs. What are they? It's the same. Yeah, the bubble within a hub city. Oh wow! 
<laughs> that's technical designation. Jeez, that's something else. So, what what do they really need inside the bubble? And uh, apparently, they're they're uh, the NHL is going to reveal uh, everything that they have in both Toronto and in Edmonton in these, I think they call them the hubs, hub, bu- hubbubs, hubbubs. That's what they are. They're hubs and they're bubbles. They're, they're hubbubs. Uh, on Thursday, the NHL is going to reveal all the, uh, the rooms, the hotels, the restaurants, everything they can do there. So that, that will be kind of fascinating. But what do they really need? They they would don't I can tell you what they don't need. The least needed tool up there will be shaving supplies. <laughs> Stanley Pretty Cup smart. Yeah, that's right. Let it go. Yeah, they don't they don't need their dop kits. I can tell you that. Uh, but they're going to need time wasting accoutrements, right? Yes. So, uh, Totsi, what 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 would you or what are you absolutely going to have to pack into your sweet Toomey luggage to take up to Edmonton. See, that's been the biggest struggle so far, figuring out how to pack for this and what to bring. And I've been talking to different guys on the team to kind of feel out, like, who's bringing what. I don't want to be the guy to overpack. I already have so much camera gear that what else can I bring? I will tell you this. One unnamed curly-haired Stars defenseman has already called the IT department at the hotel we're staying at to discuss Internet bandwidth for the sake of gaming. So oh I appreciate that foresight. I think bandwidth is going to be at a premium, one of the yeah. resources during this Stanley Cup run. Yeah, they need they need the fat pipe coming into, uh, into the hotel in order to handle the amount of Fortnite that will be going on. <laughs> it's or, essential. Or, or is it going to be Pac-Man and Galaga? <laughs> that doesn't take that much bandwidth, does it? Those are those are low bandwidth games. Yeah, you don't even know what those are. They're almost no. they're just a step a, a step yeah. above checkers for crying out loud. Right. Uh, but don't it's going to be just a massive gamer tournament at the hotel, is it not? I assume so. I'm planning on bringing my Xbox, but I am also worried about available bandwidth. So we'll have to see. I'll report back next week. Yeah. Well, if they don't have that on a technological front, I could see. Uh, a great big massive uh Texas Hold'em tournament going down there too on off days. Imagine there'll be some cards played. Oh Lord, <laughs> yes there will. Whatever that game is the guys play on the on the charter. Uh yeah, that'll be going full throttle too, so um, it'll be fun. I, I believe there'll be gonna be NBA games on television as well. Totally. Yeah, but you can well true. There will. But you can't there's only so much laying around, right? Like True. you gotta do, you gotta do something. You can't just watch TV and play hockey. That's the main thing. The weather up there right now and for the next couple of weeks is supposed to be beautiful. Just uh, I've heard Alberta in the summer is great, so hopefully there's some outdoor options. Big enough. Watch yourself, though. Mosquitoes up there, big enough to mate with chickens. They're large. <laughs> They're big ones. Uh, I, if I if I was going into the into the hubbub. I would have to have my iPad. I, I, you, it's a window to the world is what it is, the iPad. Sure. And, you know, FaceTime back home. You can watch games on it, uh, buzz around the intraweb, uh, you know, write a novel, whatever it is you need to do. And uh, all your apps on there so you can stay up and fresh. Uh, stay on Insta, camera on there. You can take 
pretty sassy pictures of yourself. I need that, and I need a a a luxe robe, uh, Uggs combo. So a, a kimono, very comfortable kimono, and and Uggs slippers combo. You give me those two things, I could be there for two months and be just sat sassy, fat and happy. I'll tell you that right now. Any sort of drink options you'll you'll be needing there? <laughs> what? Coffee, tea, nightcap. Uh, need a cup of coffee in the morning, and I need uh, fresh Canadian glacial water. That's all I need. Okay, that's perfect. What about you, Mike? What could you live or not live without? Is that right? Ah, uh, yeah. Um, I'm old, so I might take a couple of books. Uh, I think you're right. The internet is the key to me, uh, and and I might actually sit around and watch a lot of hockey, basketball, and baseball. Uh, I've missed it in these. Uh, three or four months that we've been without it. So I, I would love to catch up. Wow. You're just like a living, breathing sports page. That's great. <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> I get, I can tell you one thing that, that has the players very excited and totes included in that, in that grouping. There's a relaxed dress code in the hubbubs. You know that, right? Yes. So and totes does. It's well, totes, very exciting. Very what exciting. does that what does that even mean? Like like skinny ripped jeans or or like go? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'll probably just be rocking my LeBron jersey the whole time. It's uh, I I think I think it's I think it's great. I, I think it's uh, I mean some people are going to think it's gag. Some are going to be indifferent about it. But uh, you gotta you gotta change with the times. And I've grown to find it rather moronic to have our players dress in suits to travel in their car to a chartered jet, then immediately undress on the plane. It's like Chippendales on there for 10 to 15 minutes as they get into their Lululemon. And then as we land, they get back into their suits to walk 14 feet off the plane onto a bus and then walk 18 feet into the hotel, into an elevator, into their room, and then they change again. And at games, they put underneath, they walk through the balls. I know you get those slow motion shots of them walking in, and they do look, they look great. They look spiffy. And, yeah, I mean, Chris, they're lush, they're drip, you know, it's all going. And uh, at the hotel, they, they have their own ballroom for meals and snacks. So they, they never, ever are in the restaurant. It just seems pointless to me in, in 2020. That, that you would have all your players dressed up in, in suits as much as we put our players in suits. There, and I said it. And yet the irony is today both Rick Bonus and Andrew Cagliano said on their Zoom calls that they're going to try to adhere to some sort of professionalism. So, that, you know, they don't want to look like they're just hanging out in LeBron jerseys and gym shorts. They want to come in with a look that is somewhat uniform and they want to feel like they're a team when they're going in there. I think Minnesota's talking about, you know, they wear, you know, wild polos or something that has a wild logo on it when they go to games because they want to feel like they're in uniform. So to whatever speak. I'm, I'm into the individual now I've gone all in. Uh, Love such- it. Whatever you want. You want to, if our boys came in in songs and uh <laughs> Lucchese boots and aviators, I'd be fine with that that too it wouldn't matter to me express yourself bring it it's it's when you put the uniform on and step 
over the boards or through the boards and onto the ice, what do you think then? How cohesive are you then? Otherwise, man, you got your brand. You got to run your brand, right, Toshi? <laughs> you know. Love it. Well, I mean, you have so many uh, guys who trained in, in Europe on the other side of the Atlantic, and, I mean, they, you go to games in track suits. Yeah. You, you, you know, you, you're always wearing that. I guess there's some uniformity in, in that as well. Um, you know, at Olympic Games, they they weren't wearing – some might – they did wear – the hockey players wore suits, didn't they? I don't uh, remember. I think they did. Like Canada did anyway, I think. I think they had – I think they had team uh, suits and that that they wore, but I don't know. I just I, hey, I'm I'm all for the not getting too crazy. I'm I'm kidding, obviously. Right. Um, you, you do. There are an awful lot of young people that look up to the professionals, and it's the old Michael Jordan uh, rule, right? Where somebody asked why he dressed so uh, spectacularly all the time, and he said, "Well." I never know when I'm going to run into somebody and that's going to be their one time in their life to have, uh, you know, a brush with me. And uh, I want to leave them with a a fantastic impression. You get one chance. Yeah. So that's the way he went about his life. And And the paparazzi, uh, like Jeff. Obviously, Michael, you don't go about your life in the same manner. (laughs) I I uh, buy uh, the Daryl Ray collection available at the Bay. No, 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 no. Mike Heike, you dress like a sports writer, and you dress for comfort. It is true. Yeah. Which is fine. You should. I think you called me Charlie Brown one time because of, Well, you uh, did look like Charlie Brown with your little yeah, shorts <laughs> on. Peggy shorts and the striped polo shirt or whatever you had on. Anyway. <laughs> All right, moving on. Uh, so teams are going to get players back for this. They never thought they were going to have either back in their lineup or this healthy for uh, the Stanley Cup playoffs. So if you if you look through the West first, which team improved most by getting an injured player back? I would think that Tarasenko is going to be the big one for St. Louis just because he's so good offensively and because they need the help offensively. Yeah, yeah. You know, I I think back to the series last year. Obviously, he's a a threat. And and, uh, he he didn't have that much to do with that that series. You you know, like he he wasn't – and you can credit the Stars an awful lot for – having a game plan and, and making sure. But I, I thought they did a, I, I thought they did a great job. And I guess that's the, that's the genius of players like that too, is that you can sit there and say, well, man, he, he didn't really do all that much in the playoffs last year. And you're like, but you had to, the other side had to expend so much energy and focus to make sure that he was kind of a moot point that yeah. allowed others to be a little more free roaming than they would have been if he wasn't there. If that makes any sense. No, it does. I agree. I, I would go, I would go in a different direction. Um, I'd forgotten that Mark stone was toast for Vegas. Yeah. Uh, and he's available for selection now, uh, that, that I think that helps them. 
obviously the Rantanen Landeskog healing more thoroughly uh, for four months helps the Avs. They ran through the regular season or much of it without two thirds of their their top line. But mm-hmm. I, I I look more at at uh, I look at a goaltender and, I, and obviously McDavid in Edmonton. Uh, you know, Connor McDavid was was not fully healthy and dealing with whatever he was dealing with, and they were calling it, I think, an illness at one point. Maybe he was ill, I don't know. But, um, I mean, he's he's the most uh, intoxicating player in our game right now when he gets freewheeling and roaming, and he's he's fully healthy. So that would be one. But the other is, is uh, Darcy Kemper in Arizona. And you know the Coyotes are going to flow under the under the radar in the in the qualification round uh, coming in, because, you know, just because where they're at and and what's going on. But they have Taylor Hall, uh, who has something to prove up front, and the big acquisition for them. But when they lost Kemper, remember Kemper was leading the league in was he leading in both categories? He may have been he was right up there, yeah. In in goals against and in save percentage, I think he was in save percentage for sure. And I mean, he he was a major major factor for the the Coyotes overall game. He just mopped up a lot of a lot of their yuck. Uh, so you know, getting him back healthy and if he plays like he did at the beginning of the regular season, they, they could be surprising the little tough nut to crack. I think. Yeah, I agree. So there you go. What about the East? The East, the two ones that I liked were Gensel, uh, just because he just comes up big in big play games. Sure. That well, they they it, it's hard to understand what Pittsburgh's doing right now because they're holding out what nine guys at the yeah, time I know. or whatever. I know. So I think he'll be a, a big one, and then Dougie Hamilton and Carolina. Uh, All right, I think he's supposed to be ready. Uh, and he was having a uh, North caliber yeah. yeah season for them. The uh, yeah, I, I mean. Well, Stamkos was out with the core muscle injury for Tampa Bay, right? And he, I, I can't—he was toast, right? Like he wasn't going to be uh, available, was he? I don't know, just because of the way that all that went down, and because they're so secretive with their yeah. information. But let's say he wasn't going to be. I mean, you, yeah. <laughs> you're talking about your captain of forty goal scorer, so uh, that's significant. And uh, and then the other one that I'd forgotten about was. A local product from here, Seth Jones had ankle surgery. Yes, and you know they're they're taking on the Leafs in in their qualification, and uh, to get to get Seth Jones back on Columbus's uh, blue line is enormous. I think yeah. so. Uh, yeah, man, look at all those teams that get really significant impact players back that they. Uh, would have been either rushing back or di- wouldn't have had in their lineup if this hadn't happened. So, no, it, it's a really cool tournament in that regard, and that everybody, quote unquote, should start out pretty darn healthy, and then that to me means your best players can play the other team's best players, and you know you could really have some fun matchups here. Yeah, yeah, it should come down to what it should come down to, which is yeah, exactly. just ex- execution and whether your best players play better than their best players. That's, you know, sometimes it doesn't happen that way because it's a war of attrition as they play 82 games and then, you know, start the march. And this time it's just going to be, man, light speed from day one. So uh, I thought we'd touch quickly on scrimmages. Uh, The Stars are going to have 
their first real significant big one tomorrow. Uh, we are recording rinky-dinking here on a thir- uh, Tuesday afternoon. The Every team seems to be taking a, a bit of a different approach to this, right? Uh, yeah, and I think part of that is because some of them are jumping right into competitive play and some are truly have the right. round-robin game. Yeah, early, often, and with lots of intensity for the eight teams playing the, the qualifiers because they really have no time to ease in. They, they get They get one game, right? Yeah, one exhibition. Yeah. yeah, they get one exhibition game, and then, you know, it's a best of five. You lose, you lose your first three games. You're just about done, including your your exhibition game. Yeah. So that's a little different than the more laid back approach of others because they get not only the exhibition game but a couple of round robin games. You can lose all three of those, and it really doesn't matter all that much. You you start your playoffs uh, then uh, and. Uh, so, speaking of the Penguins, they scrimmaged, I think, on, on like, snowy, chewed-up ice with the anticipation that the ice conditions are probably not going to be uh, perfect. Uh, they, you know, that many teams playing on it, skating on it, and just the time of year, and trying to fight uh, humidity and, and temperatures. And some have simulated stoppages and, and you know, music whistles and as normal as they can. I'm not... I'm not sure exactly how things are going to unfold for the Stars tomorrow, but it'll be fascinating. I'm looking forward to watching that. Yeah, I mean, one of the things is they're going to play at 4 o'clock in the afternoon because that's when most of their games are going to be. So that's going to be an interesting challenge because you take a nap, do you not take a nap, when do you eat your meal, how do you carbo load, all that kind of stuff is – I mean, that's a challenge because you don't play a whole lot of games at 4 in the afternoon in the NHL. No, but they're, I think today's player is so uh, good at adjusting to these things. That if, if you went back 15 years, 20 years, it was a struggle because it was just primarily a night sport. And I remember when they first started introducing the matinees and that. I mean, it, it was a nightmare for not a few, but a lot of guys who, who just didn't feel right. Uh, starting a game even at at three o'clock in the afternoon, let alone one or noon, uh, in order to fit them into into television windows. And I, I think as time has progressed, uh, the players that have come along, they're just like, whenever you want to drop the puck, I'm ready to go, which is pretty impressive. Yeah, you know, I think their their mental strength and their ability to to bend a little bit with whatever's needed. They 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 just don't. There's a, it's the difference between like routines and uh, and superstitions, and yeah. I, I think today's players so much better at following routines, and they can back it up and make it work for whatever time slot. Whereas, <laughs> whereas in the old days, man, you had guys on superstitions, and if the sun was still out, I I cannot play this sport if the sun is still out. <laughs> it, has to, it has to be nighttime. <laughs> But uh, but scrimmaging is important. I I feel I I think leading up to these things you, you you know stuff breaks down in scrimmages. You can have all the control you want in drills and practice, uh, but you need to have it where things break down and you have to figure things out on your own and it's imperfect. And uh, I, I, I that's why I, I think in every camp scrimmaging is an important part of things. And some people don't feel that way. Yeah, and the other thing I think is interesting is the wear and tear of just battling along the boards and, and playing real competitive hockey 
uh, that's a conditioning that that's different than just your you know True. skating that's around. Point. And so that's something I think. I'd like to see a little bit more, but then it, it's funny because I think Jamie uh, got squeezed against the board by Stephen Johns in one of the practices, and he came up just a little, you know, not just a little limp, and then it all of a sudden he, he skated off and seemed to be fine. But, you know, there's different players who have, you know, taken odd tumbles, and then you're like, oh, oh, we don't want to get anyone hurt. But at the same point in time, you've got to play that game that's like a game, you know, because that that's how you'll get to the point where you're conditioned where you won't get hurt. Yeah, if that makes any sense. Well, it, it, I've always believed in that uh, belief that if you if you play things full out, your chances of of getting injured go down. If you're half miling it or playing at three quarters and trying to avoid this and that, that that's when guys get hurt. Yeah, and uh, I have no stats to back that up. It's just an opinion. So. Yeah. Anecdotal. <clears throat> That's exactly. So when they do actually play the games up in Edmonton, they said on the television side they're going to put in a, a five-second delay. <laughs> they're going to throw a five-second delay in there because, of course, I mean, they're, they're, they're going to pipe in crowd noise, right? I'm not exactly sure how they're doing it. I, I, I've I think, heard different I think things. They are, well, we'll wait till Thursday. But yeah, the, I, I believe they are. I've you know some of the other sports that I've watched, they have given the audience the option. You know, if you want to want to have artificial uh, crowd noise, here it's over on this channel. Uh, if you don't, you can go to the SAP channel and and you can just have uh, Nat sound and not have that in there. Well. An arena has has a, a lot of there, there's a lot of noise because you you know that tick 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 of of the puck being matriculated up the ice uh, from stick to stick. Uh, there you know there's banging there's 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 constant communication because you're always changing on the fly. So there's a there's a lot of that. Not not as much as maybe people would anticipate there is, but but there's quite a bit. I, I've done games down in between the benches beyond just being, uh, you know, a player. And uh, you understand that a lot of times, I mean, the guys are tired coming off the ice. I mean, they've exhausted themselves. There's not a lot of chit-chat. But on on whistles and and just the, the back and forth between benches, uh, coaches and players, players and referees, it can get salty and blue. <laughs> And they're going to try to try to cover themselves just like they've always done on the ticket for years uh, here in the Metroplex. And I don't know I don't know who is manning the dump button for the NHL, uh, but man, I, I know from fact in past on the ticket what has happened where they get caught is, and this is going to happen in the NHL at, at the uh, playoffs in in both Edmonton and Toronto. You can dump the first one, but if they keep going, you can't keep up, and some stuff's going to hit the air. It just yeah. it's just going to. And I remember watching golf when it first came back on live, and they had guys mic'd up, and they had again, there's no crowd noise, and and guys haven't been out there for a while, and I mean there were some royal f bombs immediately out there, and uh, you can't sit there as broadcasters and apologize all night long. So th this is probably the b best way they can go about, about it heading in anyway. 
Yeah, and and um, I don't know. I don't see it as that big of a deal. I know if you have young kids, you know, you don't want to hear all that stuff. And and certainly the league is very aware of whatever image they want to have. Um, but you know, we're we're around rinks enough that it just kind of fades into the background whenever I hear it nowadays. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I'm just getting older, but I I get that. I don't think you really want that. As much as we've talked about, oh, my God, man, if they put the games on HBO and guys, could, you could hear everything that goes on in there, it'd be awesome. There'd be lawsuits up the yin-yang from <laughs> what gets said down there. And, and it would. It, I think it would be titillating early. And then, like everything, it, it, you'd become a bit jaded to it. Yeah. And it would lose some of that shock value. I like the fact that they're, they're trying to keep it uh, as clean as humanly possible. And I also believe this, and I, I don't know whether I'm right in, in this view or not, but part of this is to protect, it has to be not only to protect the brand and protect the, the players, but protect their officials too. Because, yeah. I mean, we've been privy to, and it's the best audio, it's, it's the best clips that you'll ever see in your life. But uh, Steve Walkham, who runs the the NHL's referees will come into their broadcast meetings and they, they have, uh, and it's so much fun and he understands it's going to stay in the room and they, they just play the, the back and forth between players and officials. And believe you me, the officials can give it back just as blue and salty as the players can give it to them. Yeah. Um, and I, maybe it's the same in every sport. I, I don't know, but it's certainly that way in hockey. It's just part of the communication and the flow of it. But I don't think they want that out there. No, I, I agree with you. And I think just, you know, having that air of dignity for the officials is really important. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, because you do want to see them as, as fair arbiters of justice. Right. And, you right. know, uh, they're the and best in the I world. Mean, as you know, it's an extremely, it's an emotional cauldron out there inside the glass um and over the boards and and uh, things get out of hand and and stuff's happening so rapidly it's the fastest game on the planet and uh, the mouths keep up to it uh a lot of them anyway and i i just think if they can if they can keep it as as clean as possible a few little you know s's and f's find their way through whatever uh right. but uh, they they don't want some of the, you know, the deeper stuff to <laughs> hit the airwaves, I don't believe, uh, at all. So, anyway. This whole thing's going to be interesting with no fans in the stands and everything that you can hear better. And it, it's just going to be a completely strange experiment. Yeah. And so, you know, it'll be interesting to see how, you know, we'll see in these first couple of games. And then do they make adjustments after that? Oh, my God, Michael. It'll be trial and error. Yeah, it it really will. I mean, even going back to when uh, Premier League came on, you know, they they were really the first test of this thing over in in the UK, and and I remember the first couple of games they had no crowd noise whatsoever, and I mean, it was the most sterile, antiseptic mm. feeling. It was you want to talk so weird, dystopic. It was wasn't it though? Like, yeah, it just apocalyptic. Like, oh my God! I I I don't think I I should watch this. It's depressing me. But it's live, and they're playing one another, and and then really it, uncomfortable. Yeah, it really was, wasn't it, Tosi? And yeah, just, uh, and then they and then they piped in a little bit, uh, and it's not perfect, 
the crowd noise, but it, it is to me a thousand times better. Yeah. Our pal Michael Gruber is, uh, I believe, experimenting with that with the Rangers right now and, and uh, trying all sorts of different things. So, uh, it is trial and error, and it's going to be interesting to see how each sport handles it. Well, you just think of a hockey game, like powerful, thumping music, energetic music on every whistle, right? Yeah. Announcements in the arena. Uh, I, I doubt there'll be as many. But maybe there'll be like league announcement type things that they put over the PA up there beyond just the penalties and, and scoring and, and that type of thing. Um, and then when actions action, even in a full building, there, there's there's ebbs and flows and crescendos and and that. And I don't know. I mean, man, you'd have to be a master of the buttons to be able to to uh, ride that and and may have it make sense audibly to what you're watching visually because yeah. this isn't soccer like like you're not slowly moving up and then this i mean it changes and there's a turnover and all of a sudden they're going that way and, and so i'm i'm fascinated to see how what they try and whatever works will stick and what doesn't they'll toss out and by the time they get i would think through the opening round they'll They'll have a pretty good idea of uh, what or opening round the the uh, playing. What's the official jargon? Don't say playing, playing round. No, that's not what it's called. No, not exhibitions. No, what uh, qualifiers? Uh, once they get through the qualifiers, all those five game series, I think once the actual Stanley Cup playoffs start with round one, they'll, I think they'll have a pretty good indication of of how they should present it uh, on on television and on radio. Uh, radio not uh, as important because it's theater of the mind, but right. you, you got to marry a little bit of what they're trying to pump out artificially, audibly up there with what everyone's witnessing in a five-second delay uh, in uh, their living rooms. So, what what do you think the role of the video board might be? It plays such a huge role during the game. Do you think they'll even try to use it? Uh, well, they have to, they'll have to use it for, uh, well, replays not. They, they have, they have replays on the bench, they have replays no? in their, on, on their benches. And that's a good question. But a lot of, a lot of the jumbotrons, like I'm thinking like in LA, they, they have screens underneath of it, the point toward the bench so that they can watch replays up there. Um, uh, I, I, God, I don't know. I really don't know what they'll do. It's funny because when I watch you on TV, if I'm at home, the video board always seems to be annoying, you know, kind of getting in your telecast or whatever. But uh, it would well, be interesting if they don't have anything on it. It won't be. No, there's no way they'll just leave it dark. Okay. No. It'll either be – it'll likely be advertising. <laughs> Which would be on. fine. I mean, it just – I mean, that's, yeah, again, no, part no, of the sound of the it's game. It's fine. It's fine. Uh, they're, whatever. The, believe me, the – the creative side of the NHL is probably going berserk trying to <laughs> figure out what they can throw at this thing. And speaking of the NHL, and this is the last thing I'll throw down here this week. I am, I am fascinated. I, I can't wait to see how the NHL presents the shield at center ice. Cause it, it won't be the leaf logo in TO right. nor the oil drop in Edmonton. Uh, this is an NHL presentation. So 
after having that red line bifurcate and desecrate individual team logos for years and being okay with it, is there, there's no chance that they're just going to slap down the NHL shield and have a red line run right through the middle of it, right? I think there is, just okay. because of the offside rule and the replay. Well, we'll see. All-star because, games, I mean, what if, what if you're a half inch off the ice with your back All-star games, they've always been very careful to offset the shield in the logo so that it isn't obscured by the red line. You ever notice that? No, I haven't. Always. It's always off to the side of whatever Nashville or, or wherever the, the uh, All-Star weekend is. To me, to me, just do away with the red line in red in the center circle. I've said this for years. Yeah. People are probably tired of hearing me talk about it, but, I mean, you're talking about your brand. That's, that's your logo. Don't, don't do that. So I, I want to see what goes down up there. And the ice is such a fantastic palette. Put it this way. Put it this way. (laughs) I will shut up forever if the red line runs right straight through a massive (laughs) NHL shield. I'll never say another word. Oh, perfect. All right. All right. Is that enough? No, I actually had a couple of quick questions. Totsie, what's your your plan up there? Do you get to go in the locker room? Do you get to be near the ice? How are you going to be covering this? That's a, that's a good question, honestly. I still don't know. I have a Zoom call tomorrow with kind of everyone in my position and the league to figure out some of this. Because in theory, in an empty arena, there should be infinite angles and shooting locations for someone in my position. But see how it goes. I really I don't know at this point. And from good a question, question, good question, I was, Mike. I was going to say, will you begin <laughs> to go in the locker room? Because I think, you know, with us being back here, we want that access. We want you to get that access. Yeah, I, I would assume so, just based on kind of the precedent we've set this week oh, out in Frisco course. at train camp. Here, I, so, I think, so I'll answer these no questions doubt. for you. <laughs> <laughs> Are you looking forward to it? Is it? I mean, is it an interesting challenge for you to be, I mean, a really important storyteller? I'm so excited for the opportunity to cover this. Like, yeah, I cannot wait. And then, Daryl, I saw you tweet out your little uh, – Capsule that you'll be calling the did games this, from. Did this turn into an interview <laughs> rinky dinky or what is it? I, I'm curious as to how your setup is and and how you're going to go about calling a game. Well, Michael, uh, thank you for the question. Uh, it it is uh, it is a, a fairly new uh, endeavor to be in a room, almost like you're you're flying a drone, and. Uh, uh, Jason Walsh over at, at Fox Sports Southwest Sinclair now uh, put together these these uh, you know little pods essentially for us to to call the game be far enough away from one another. There's a plexiglass uh, shield between Josh and I. We each have our own little little desk areas uh, with monitors. I have I'll be honest with you though uh, until they actually put pictures up emanating from Edmonton. I have no idea what I'm going to be looking at or doing. I will say this, though. Um, I've always believed uh, this, and we're going to really find out whether I'm right or wrong, <laughs> but to, to properly give the viewers uh, the best of, of what you should be doing, well, you know, my side of the job is how and why, right? 
And if I'm sitting at, at home watching some sport that I don't understand, I might be sitting there uh, watching it and saying to myself, well, why would they do that? Well, how, is it, how are they supposed to do this? Right, all those questions. Well, in this scenario, instead of me seeing stuff, and this has always been my issue with the between-the-glass position in our broadcast sport, is that you see an awful lot of things that the, the camera can't show the people at home. So what is the point of that? Right. Whereas with this, essentially what the, the person at home is seeing, what you're going to see is what I'm seeing. So if you, you see something on the screen that you're wondering about, well, I should be more in sync with you in explaining what that was because I'm seeing the same thing too, rather yeah. than this great big sort of panoramic from being inside the arena. And to be honest with you, as I facetiously tweeted out yesterday, the broadcast location at Rogers Place in Edmonton sucks to high heaven. <laughs> it's in high heaven. <laughs> like high it, heaven. It, it's so bad. Look, it, it is so bad that the home team moved themselves down. They didn't move the visiting team like we do at American Airlines Center. They just moved themselves down because it's almost impos- impossible to call the game there, especially with the Oilers wearing those orange uniforms. You yeah. can't tell the difference between one guy and another other than knowing the the bodily characteristics of these guys because you can't see numbers in that. So th- this is actually, I think, going to be a better vantage point, if it makes any sense, being in Dallas <laughs> in a room watching a 65-inch screen than it would be to be in that building and trying to call – the game from the ceiling, from the worst, essentially the worst seat in that arena. Yeah, I so agree with that. that. I, but I, it, I, I'm like Totsi, though. I, I have no idea exactly how or where or what or whatever. I just know that we're going to keep an open mind, and we'll call the living crap out of it. Is there visual cues between broadcast partners, or is it mostly vocal when you're talking to each other? You get the uh, timing. Yeah, yeah, sometimes. I mean... In in past, there's always been that you, you can just reach over and touch the play-by-play guy and let him know that you'd like to get in or, you know, wave a finger or something if you have something to say or, as I've always done, just step all over them and say what you <laughs> have to say because what you're saying is way more important than what they're saying. Yeah, kid. It's true. The, and they uh, talk, the play-by-play guys talk way too. No, much. yeah, they do. That's obvious. There's, but there's, there's a rhythm. You, you fall into a rhythm, and and, uh, but it will be, it'll be odd. It'll be weird, and there'll be mistakes that we've never made before yeah. just because of the way it is. But and the thing I like about it is we are not going to try to, uh, you know, blow a smoke screen up like we're there and pretend. Oh, you are looking live or pseudo-live on a five-second delay. Uh, uh, welcome to Edmonton. We're not in Edmonton. so um, And nobody's going to do that. Every, everyone understands what the uh, undertaking is. And this just follows a trend that's been happening anyway. It, uh, whenever the Olympics have been in really awkward time zones uh, in in past, I, I know the Canadians in particular – uh, have had a ton of of their commentators uh, call you know, whether it's track and field or downhill skiing or whatever it is. Call it from Toronto when it's in uh, it, you know it's in Europe somewhere or, or in 
in China or, or whatever. It just doesn't make sense to fly people there and travel them around and all that uh, anymore financially. So that's the way they did it. And in order to do this thing, it's more a safety thing than it is anything else. And, uh, you know, we're going to embrace it. I think you'll do great. And the same Emmy Award winning uh, crew will be behind him? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, for the most part, uh, it'll be, it'll be our award winning crew. So I love uh, watching on TV at home. I really do. Like, I mean, like you, I'm up in the press box a long way away. So to be able to look into somebody's face and see them up close like that. Yeah. I mean, I oh, actually all, enjoy it at home. It's all storytelling. Uh, it is. Yes. Infotainment, yeah, I think. It's imagery and storytelling. Well, we've been on here way too long. Totes has got a million things to do. Plus, he needs to pack for Edmonton. True. So uh, uh, thanks once again for the questions, Mike. Uh, we're going we're gonna to have to move on here now unless you have other things you'd like. You Save some stuff for next week. Will we I'm be doing t- this with you up there? I'm a tool for here? the fans. You know that, right? Yes. That's the one thing I, I feel. It's, it's been great to fans at uh, – at practice and come in there and an atmosphere and a lot of people that don't get the opportunity to be that close to players and you just can't do it in today's age. So we will be the conduit uh, fully. Uh, so next week on a very special rinky dinking, don't see, I guess. Yeah, we'll check in from the bubble. Oh, we will? We will. Okay, okay. there you go, Mike. You'll get all your answers next week. As will all of you out there. Yes. We'll know how much. I want to know the actual uh, width of the bandwidth up there. I will give you you upload and download speed. Well, be careful. Remember, it's the metric system up there. Oh, true. We're not sure. It'll be in kilometers or something. Uh, Anyway, the 51 most important people in the organization will be in Edmonton, Alberta. You know, it's the Rose City. It's uh, It's the capital. It's the provincial capital. The rest of us will be here. Uh, we'll be dodging COVID, uh, providing our sterling coverage. Uh, Mike, you'll do that, will you not? Oh, yeah. Of the goings-on, uh, just as the networks did uh, when men landed on the moon way back when. This will be one small tournament or playoff for 24 teams, one giant undertaking for the National Hockey League. Godspeed, Tulsi. Godspeed. <laughs>